Several Sooners punched their ticket to the Super Bowl after a fantastic championship weekend. We got some recruiting news to touch on as well as five things that Steve Lasan prioritizes for the Oklahoma Sooners this offseason. All that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners podcast. And we got to talk about a wonderful championship weekend that took place today. The Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, if you're a Chiefs fan, I know that part's not wonderful, but for Sooners fans, you got great performances out of Joe Mixon and Samaje Pirine on on the on the day. You know Joe Mixon goes for over a hundred total yards. I think he averaged more than four yards per carry. Samaje Pirine had one, arguably the biggest play of the game in the first half, towards the end of the first half, where uh, he catches a screen pass and goes forty-one yards for a touchdown uh, to get the Bengals within eleven points heading into halftime, and then it was all Cincinnati from there on out, and it was a really, really good game. Um, the, the Chiefs just jumped out on Cincinnati, and it looked like it was going to be a runaway blowout uh, for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was fantastic. They were methodical. They were driving the ball down the field. Cincinnati didn't really have many answers for what Kansas City was trying to do uh, until the second half, and it seemed like the adjustments that they made did a really, really good job taking away what Patrick Mahomes was wanting to do. They were getting more pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and it was forcing him into some poor decision-making. He was holding on to the ball too long, and it was the Bengals' day. The Bengals were able to you know, storm back from down 21-3 to in the first half to tie the game. Uh, or the, the, They actually had the lead. Patrick Mahomes drove them into field goal range at the end, kicked a field goal to tie the game, uh, but – Mahomes throws an interception. Well, I guess he doesn't really throw an interception. Tyreek Hill drops the ball that leads to an interception, and the Bengals just marched down the field on Kansas City. It seemed like all of the air had been sucked out of Arrowhead Stadium, and uh, and Joe Mixon was fantastic in the overtime period, just driving the ball. I mean, they threw maybe two or three passes on that final drive of the game, but it was a lot of Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, and that's where he, he really, I feel like, demoralized the Kansas City Chiefs defense. But, um, yeah, him and Samaje P. Ryan, you got to be thrilled for those guys who are going to get a chance to play in their first Super Bowl. And it's, it, it's really good, especially for a guy like Joe Mixon, who was very highly thought of coming out of, of college, went in the second round of the draft, and had some injury issues early in his career. And, obviously, they had some quarterback issues until they got Joe Burrow. But it seemed like, obviously, when you get a quarterback and your passing game opens up a little bit, it opens things up for your running game. I know we, lot, we talk a lot of times about you run the football so you can set up the pass to open up the passing game. Well, sometimes your running back needs you to throw the ball well so that you can actually take a little bit of the pressure off of the running game. You know, when they had the guys that they had before Joe Mixon or before uh, Joe Burrow came on board – I mean, what is the threat in the passing game? You can load the box to slow down Joe Mixon. 
They've got a nice offensive line. He's just he's playing the best football of his career this season, and you love to see it. And shout out to him. And Samaj P. Ryan has just continued to prove that he's a a really important player, even if he's not a starter. He's just a guy that's making a lot of plays. He had three catches for forty something yards, but it was the big forty uh, one yard touchdown reception at the end of the first half that really got the Bengals back into that game. If they don't score in that one on that drive, and Kansas City's either able to get the ball back and, and drive down the field for a score at the end of the half, but they started with the football to begin the second half, even though they weren't able to do anything with it. But if Cincinnati's not able to score there and Kansas city potentially two for ones, you know, at the end of the half and then at the beginning of the, of the second half, that really puts the Bengals in a really, really bad position, but they were able to, to capitalize, get the big play. They'd been trying to set up the screenplay all game long to no avail. Kansas City was right on top of everything they were trying to do, whether it was a tight end screen, a wide receiver screen, running back screen, didn't matter. Kansas City was right there. But finally, they caught Kansas City sleeping a little bit at the end of the half when they're trying to drive the ball. And you know they're, they're playing a little bit more shell coverage to take away deep passes and, and make Cincinnati drive the field. And then it was just really good blocking and really good usage of the blocks by Samaj P. Ryan. So going to the Super Bowl, they're going to face off with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and Obo Okoronkwo, who uh, had three tackles in his game for the Los Angeles Rams as they beat the 49ers 20-17. to Didn't get a chance to watch as much of this game as I did the, the Kansas City Chiefs game, putting kids to bed and whatnot. But it really just seems like the, the Los Angeles Rams were, I mean, the, the better team in this one. San Francisco had their chances, but it, what it comes down to is quarterback play. And as much as people want to continue to talk about in the NFL, you have to run the ball and play good defense. Quarterback play absolutely matters. Jimmy Garoppolo, they got by with him against Dallas and against Green Bay. But in Green Bay, the you know there were some interesting conditions on at play in that one. But you can only it, it only can get you so far. Average quarterback play, and when a guy like that is under pressure, he's going to make mistakes, and that's what happened in this one. He just wasn't able to to hold up to the pressure throughout the game. Now they did cover the line; it was three and a half. Uh, Los Angeles was favored by, but you know, Jimmy Garoppolo just, he just not it. Um, and you know, they're, they're going to have an interesting decision to make because he did take them to the NFC or he helped them get to the NFC championship. I should say, even though he didn't really do much, but then they got Trey Lance sitting in the wings and now it seems like that's going to be the time. Like Trey Lance is going to, you got to give the, the keys to the, your first round pick at some point, but, uh, the, the Rams, I mean, they, they're formidable. It's going to be a really, really interesting matchup. You know, the, the Rams are really, really good up front. They've got Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. They've got a really solid offense uh, with Cooper Cup on the outside. He's been great this season. Matthew Stafford's playing the best football of his career. Amazing what happens when you get talent around, around quarterbacks. Even a guy who I kind of put in more like the good range. I wouldn't say he's a great quarterback, but I think he's a good quarterback. You give them a little bit of talent and it helps to amplify those guys. And, you know, I, I know people want to believe that guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, they carry teams without any talent. Well, it's kind of false. Like you got to have a, a complete football team in order to win football games at any level. We saw it with Oklahoma Sooners last year. Like it didn't matter how good Spencer Rattler or Caleb Williams was when the running game wasn't working well in a game like West Virginia or the offensive line wasn't protecting well. It, it it didn't matter if those guys were on point that day or not. Same, same for the offensive line. The offensive line could have played well, but if the quarterback wasn't playing well, it didn't really help them because 
they can provide great pass protection, but if the quarterback's making poor decisions or he's holding on to the ball too long, those guys can only block for so long. So, yeah, I mean, it takes a complete team effort, but it's it's exciting to see you know a Sooner is going to win a Super Bowl. And so that's kind of fun. You know, you got the the kind of key contributors on the Cincinnati side with Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan, and then you got Oboe, who's more of a rotational player on the defensive side for the Rams. Uh, but someone's going to win. It's going to be really fun to, to, to watch that one in a couple of weeks. I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think it'll be a, another close game. The NFL playoffs have been fantastic. And I, and I get like the college ball purist doesn't want to um, expand the playoff because you, you're expecting to see Alabama just blow everybody out. And I get that. Like Alabama, Georgia, they'll blow out a lot of teams. But what about all those other games that will take place that will be really tightly contested matchups that will be a lot of fun to watch? And I, and I think – you know, Cincinnati, they weren't the top seed in this in this one. Now, the NFL is set up with a little bit more parity, but it just kind of gives you a picture of what could happen with when a team gets hot. And Cincinnati's been hot. They've been playing really, really, really well. And they're on to the Super Bowl. So congrats to our Sooners who are heading to the Super Bowl. Bummer for the Chiefs who have a ton of Sooners on them. And I know there's a lot of Sooners fans who are Chiefs fans, my, my buddy Jason in particular. So Shout out to you, man. Sorry that it didn't end well for you. You can join me and my Dallas Cowboys as we just uh, sit back and, and watch the Super Bowl for fun this year. But coming up next, let's talk some recruiting news. National Signing Day is just a few days away now. I'm recording this on Sunday night, so National Signing Day is on the 2nd of February. So we're, we're not far, and we're going to have some interesting uh, decisions being made uh, by several players. And Oklahoma had a, a great junior day this past weekend so we'll talk about some of the things that transpired on that front as well but first let me talk to you about get upside sooners fans this is an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about get upside my listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up just download the free get upside app in the app store or google play store right now use promo code score for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside just download the app for free and use the promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your bank account. You can cash out at any time with your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card, Amazon, or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. You like cash, I like cash. Go to GetUpside, use promo code SCORE to save 20 or to get 25 cents per gallon cash back. All right, now let's talk some recruiting news. The Oklahoma Sooners had Junior Day this past weekend. And one of the, the my kind of key takeaways from this one is you see a lot of the parents and the players that had been recruited by the previous Oklahoma regime and are being recruited by this current regime. Talk about the difference in the vibe that they're getting uh, from Brent Venables and his staff. So one of the main things that Brent Venables talked about when he got hired on at Oklahoma was the coaching, the whole person, a holistic approach to coaching somebody. Now that's kind of like a, a a medical term or a a quasi medical term that that gets thrown around where you, you look at not just like the, the physical aspect of the person, but the spiritual, the mental, um, every every aspect the social aspect of of this person and you really look to provide health and wellness 
to the whole person. Um, as a nurse, you know, like that, what, what that looks like is not only am I giving medicines and taking care of the person, but I'm also trying to create relaxing environments so that their mental health can be well, so that their whole body can be well. Now, from Brent Venable's perspective, he's talked about this from a faith perspective and he wants to, and an educational perspective as well. Not only does he want great football players, but he wants his student, his student athletes to take advantage of their opportunities in the classroom and leave Oklahoma in a better spot than when they got there. And I think that's really resonating well with parents that they are excited that they have a coach who is going to not just be about the football player and just coach the football player, but they're going to coach the student. They're going to coach the person. They're going to not just set them up for a good college career, but hopefully set them up for a good professional career, whether it's in sports or it's in some other venture, whether it's business or education or whatever it may be. And yeah, I, th I think that, I mean, as a, as a father myself, like, I think that's important to hear. Like if my daughter were ever able to get recruited to play sports, if that's what's something she wants to do, it would mean a lot to me to know that the coach has a passion for just developing people. And that's where it seems like is Brent Venable's passion is yes, he's a football coach and that's his job, but his passion is developing people and caring for people and um, helping people to be the best versions of themselves uh, even after they're gone. You talk, you hear the assistant coaches talk about that, that came on board with Brent Venables here. Dabble Sweeney talk about it. And you're hearing the parents and the players just talk about what it feels like to feel cared for and feel like they can really, really entrust their son to a good man and a good person. And this is not a shot at Lincoln Riley, but there's something to be said for the difference that these parents are feeling between Riley staff and Brent Venable and his staff. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, Lincoln Riley is a bad guy because he's not, I don't know the guy. Obviously he's a good guy. A lot of guys, you know, go to play for him and coach for him, but the, the vibe just feels different. And I think it comes down to like Brent Venables, like legitimately cares for each and every one of his coaches and his players. And I think that's going to really resonate when you're asking guys to like go the extra mile for you on the football field, when they know that you care about how they're doing in class, how they're doing mentally and spiritually, it's, it's going to resonate with them as they try to give everything that they've got on the football field, because they're more than just football players. As much as, you know, like I, I love football and I love watching these guys and I love rooting for them as much as they're more than just football or as much as we love the football player, they're more than just football players. So let's talk some recruiting news. One thing we didn't touch on last week, you know, I was out with COVID, so I didn't really get a full weekend. Um, and then we had the Caleb Williams stuff with Nebraska, uh, with Wisconsin, Nebraska. Um, Jackson Arnold, Jackson Arnold commits to the Oklahoma Sooners. He's a four-star recruit out of Texas, the number one quarterback in the state of Texas for the 2023 class. And I think that's a huge get for the Sooners. And it continues to reinforce the idea that they're not concerned about having too much talent at one position group because you've got Gabriel Dillon or Dylan Gabriel. You've got Nick Evers, and now you got Jackson Arnold on board as your top three quarterbacks that could potentially be your quarterbacks in 2023. And getting him, I mean, the dude is a, is a player. He had his first full season as a starter in 2021, helped lead his team to the Class 6A state championship. They fell short, but still, that's like, that's huge to go from not starting to starting 
to the state championship. Um, that, that that's that's a big time get for them. And even if he doesn't start until 2024, 2025, like this is a guy that's got a ton of talent. He's very athletic. He's got a good arm, and the Sooners are going to be well benefited from having Jackson Arnold um, as their as their starting quarterback down the road. Uh, and then we got some other recruiting news as well. Grayson Halton is a uh, four-star defensive lineman who was committed to Oregon. He decommitted from there. There are projections coming in from Chris, uh, from 247 Sports, from Rivals, and from On3, all, all three of the kind of main recruiting networks that we use to, to track these guys. All three are projecting that he's going to end up at Oklahoma. Uh, the Sooners did get a commit over the weekend uh, from a – their, their first Oklahoma commit of the 2023 class and Eric McCarty. Now talking with uh, my guy, Parker Thune, he's a guy that's not rated yet, but it's kind of early in his process, but he does, he does see him getting rated this next year. And um, this is one of those situations where he's a running back in high school and put up a ton of production, had, had like 40 touchdowns um, in high school and helped McAllister get to Oklahoma state championship. Um, this is a guy that from all that we hear kind of roundabout the, the Sooners love, even though he's not a guy that's highly rated in Oklahoma, but he's an athletic kid, with a lot of, of speed and he's got good size. He's 6'2, 180, 190. And so they're, they're going to look at him at, at potentially defense, even though he has been playing running back, he's been playing both sides, but it uh, looks like he could potentially end up as a defensive player for the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, they also got a, a projection for Ashton uh, Cozart. He's a four-star wide receiver out of uh, Flower Mound, Texas. Not the same school that uh, Nick Evers goes to. Nick Evers goes to Flower Mound High School. Ashton Cozart goes to Marcus. And he has gotten a projection for the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, this is a guy that was being recruited by Lincoln Riley under the previous regime. Obviously, the, the end from what it sounds like was looking at potentially committing uh, back uh, in the, in December, but during when the coaching change happened, he kind of, you know, rightfully so he kind of took a step back and, and reassessed his opportunities, reassessed what he was going to do and uh, took a visit to Oklahoma recently, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And, for all intents and purposes, it looks like he's heading to Oklahoma as well. There was a crystal ball projection put out for him to end up with the Sooners. And so big, big get there potentially if he does end up committing now it's 2023. So he's got a year until signing day. So a lot could transpire and change. We've seen, you know, decommitments happen. Uh, and then one of the other big names, or I say big names, but big news nuggets coming out is uh, Dylan Edwards. He's a three-star running back out of Kansas a guy that from people I talk to sounds a lot like Darren Sproles going to have similar style and similar kind of a player uh, in that he's a, a multi-purpose threat. Like he's going to re- play running back. He'll return kicks. He'll line up as a wide receiver for you. Uh, he's a small guy, five, six. So kind of all sounds a lot like Darren Sproles. Uh, but this is a guy that's also getting projections heading to the Oklahoma Sooners as well. Now, as far as the 2022 guys, uh, they have a lot still um, in the pocket to potentially um, end up with. And several guys that are still kind of on the bubble, uh, Devon Campbell, the five-star offensive lineman, from what I understand, 
it's probably looking like he's heading to Texas. Uh, the battle right now is between Oklahoma and Texas, but uh, that's probably where he's leaning. We talked about Grayson Halton. You got Ahmad Moten, who we talked about last week, who is a four-star defensive lineman out of Florida, um, who had been uncommitted, but looks like he's trending towards the Oklahoma Sooners as well. Should sign on National Signing Day, or will sign on National Signing Day. Uh, and then uh, John Locke is a three-star tight end who's being kind of targeted by um, Louisiana. Gavin Freeman, a three-star athlete who actually committed as a preferred walk-on uh, on Sunday. And then you got Cavante Henry, and this one is really exciting because he is a four-star edge rusher that is current or was or currently committed to Michigan. And this is one of those bubble players because we're seeing projections put him with the Oklahoma Sooners, but there's also a projection out there that has him with the Arizona Wildcats. So again, this is going to be one of those that comes down to uh, National Signing Day to see where he ends up landing. Uh, and then you got Jamarian Burt, a four-star athlete quarterback, and then R. Mason Thomas. R. Mason Thomas is committed to Iowa State, but there's a chance that he could flip to Oklahoma as well. So a lot to a, lo- a lot to look forward to and a lot to still transpire over the next few days as National Signing Day comes. Uh, but we'll continue to talk about some of the developments that transpire between now and then, and then we'll react to it as well. But coming up next here on Locked On Sooners, Steve Lasson over at Last uh, sorry at Athlon Sports, um, he put out five priorities for new coach Brent Venables, and we're going to talk about them um, coming up next. But first, let me talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. I eat Built Bar just about every single day. It tastes great. It's great for you. It's low calorie, low carb, low sugar, very high in protein, and it tastes just like a candy bar. It's completely covered in chocolate, and it's one of my favorite parts of the day is having that as a snack. I love the peanut butter brownie. The coconut brownie chunk is fantastic as well. I've had every single flavor, and you can't go wrong. If you love fruity flavors, they've got a great raspberry and cherry and orange flavor as well. I also love the mint brownie. Again, a lot of great flavors. You can't go wrong with any of them. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order by going to built.com using promo code LOCKED. 15. Hey, and if you got a Texas Longhorns fan, make sure you tell them to go check out Locked On Longhorns. We've got a new host that's going to be uh, starting up soon, and then hopefully we're going to have him on this week to talk about the National Signing Day stuff and how it all kind of worked out for Texas. Uh, you know, first little crossover, get a little Red River showdown action going on here on the podcast, but make sure you go uh, tell your friends to check that out as well. Uh, so let's talk about what Steve Lasson had to say. So we had five priorities for the new coach, Brent Venables, in 2022. Now, anytime you got turnover, there's bound to be some doubters, some skeptics. I know a few weeks back, I was one of them. I was, a, I was kind of putting out the, the devil's advocate, taking, putting on my doubt hat, and just looking at some of the things like, what are some of the potential problems? Now, I answered that with, what are the things that, you should be optimistic about with the Oklahoma Sooners. So make sure you go check out that episode or that video as well. That came out a couple of weeks ago, uh, but let's talk about, let's see what Steve Lasson had to say, because he's got five areas where the Oklahoma Sooners are, you know, or there, that should be priorities for Brent Venables. First one is scheme development and the quarterback. So obviously it's a new offensive system. Lincoln Riley's out. Jeff Levy's in. 
Dylan Gabriel comes with him. So I think this is a plus for the Oklahoma Sooners, even though they're going to have a lot of guys like Marvin Mims, Eric Gray, Marcus Major, you know, like the rest of their team is going to be learning a new system and learning a new offense. You got your quarterback that knows it. And to me, that's the most important piece. If your quarterback knows the offense, then there's a good chance he's going to be able to help pass on the information to the rest of the guys. He's going to be the guy that's getting everybody on the same page, communicating well and, and making sure everybody knows their assignments. So I, I don't mind that it's a new offense because look at this, like, what we saw the good defenses, defensive teams do last year against the Oklahoma Sooners, they took away what Oklahoma wanted to do, the best parts of Lincoln Riley's offense. They took that stuff away. It was much more difficult to run that guard counter trap. It was much more difficult to run that drag that turns into a post. Like They, they sat on things that Lincoln Riley liked to do, whether it was West Virginia or Nebraska or Iowa State or Baylor or Oklahoma State. Even though Oklahoma scored a bunch of points in the first half, like Oklahoma State made the adjustments at halftime and Oklahoma couldn't do anything. So it's like, I feel like it's fair to, to say like the Big 12 knows what to expect from Lincoln Riley at this point. So changing the offense is probably a good thing. It's going to be in their benefit. Even though a lot of guys have to learn new assignments and new roles, the fact that it's going to be fresh, it's going to be different, even though you know it's similar to what Baylor kind of runs, or Baylor used to run back in the day, it's going to be, it's going to help. And it's going to help a lot of guys. And, and I think a lot of guys are going to have really good seasons because of just the, the change that people don't know what to expect from Oklahoma's offense now because it's going to look different. Yes, they can go back and they can watch film from Ole Miss. They can watch film from UCF and, and get an idea. But all these players put together – with the quarterback that they have and the coaching that they have, I think that's going to work out to be a benefit for the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm excited about Dylan Gabriel. As much as we've talked about Caleb Williams transferring and moving on, and yes, it's disappointing. I'm excited about Dylan Gabriel. I think the dude's a gamer. I think he's got like the right kind of chip on his shoulder to, to help lead the Oklahoma Sooners. Not like this cocky chip where like Spencer Rattler did more just like a, Hey, I've got a lot to prove. Like I'm a, I was a great quarterback at UCF. I'm coming off of an injury. I've got something to prove to myself, to my new team, to my teammates and to the college football world. I mean, this guy's playing for draft stock too. So like all that's going to matter this next year for, for Dylan Gabriel and the Oklahoma Sooners. The next thing he talked about uh, develop the receivers. And again, I don't see this one as much as a problem because uh, one of the issues I think they had last year is they had too many players that they were trying to rotate in, whether it was, you know, like I can list them all, like Marvin Mims, Jaden Hazelwood, uh, Mario Williams, Michael Woods, just four guys right there that they were trying to keep in, in the game and keep involved, Drake Stoops. And then you talk about Cody Jackson, Jalil Farouk, like uh, Trayvon West. They had a ton of guys that they were trying to give snaps to, and it didn't seem like they had enough. And so you look at a guy like Marvin Mims, who should have had probably twice as many targets as he did and had a thousand, should have had 1,000 yards. He doesn't get as many opportunities because they're rotating these guys in and out so much. Well, under Jeff Levy, they run a lot more plays and they prioritize three or four wide receivers. Like they don't have as big of a rotation at wide receiver as they had last year. So a guy like Marvin Mims, he's about to have a huge season for the Oklahoma Sooners. I feel like a guy like Jalil Farouk is going to 
benefit from the coaching change. I know like you look at certain projections, depth chart projections at this stage of the game and people have Drake Stoops as kind of the, the third wide receiver. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, Jaleel Farouk. Because one thing I kind of picked up on as I looked at through some of the snap counts and I looked through their depth chart is he likes to be able to move his guys around. So yeah, Marvin Mims played a lot in the slot this past year. Um, I think he's going to play more on the outside than he did last year. And you're going to probably see two guys with a pretty even distribution of slot snaps and wide receiver snaps between Marvin Mims and Chilo Farouk. I think both of those guys can play both inside and outside. Just and, and you and you want to move these guys around because if you keep them in the same spot all the time, it makes it easier for the the, the defense to key on what these guys are trying to do. So I, I like where they're at with the wide receiver position. Obviously, getting Theo Weiss back is going to be huge for this team. Uh, but Marvin Mims, I, I think, is set for a breakout season. And then, again, Jaleel Farouk, I think, is going to have a huge season. I do think Drake Stoops gets a, a lot of snaps, probably as your fourth wide receiver, but I just don't think he's necessarily going to be getting like a starter's complement of snaps. And then, I mean, you've got a guy like Trayvon West who proved to be very capable player and performer for you last year. As your, if, if he's like your fifth wide receiver, Cody Jackson, who came on down the, down the stretch as well, they're in good shape at wide receiver. You know, yes, they don't have a Mario Williams. Yes, Michael Wood is, is gone. Yes, Jaden Hazelwood is gone. But, you know, they've got players that we feel really good about heading into 2022. Uh, the third thing he said, address the offensive line. Now, yeah, this is a bit of a question mark. Tyrese Robinson's gone. Marquise Hayes is gone. And, and those guys were good players. They weren't great. Like they weren't like all world players, all American style players. I, I think that they'll be fine. Like you get a guy like McCade Meteor uh, from Cal or Matsauer from Cal, and you could potentially plug him in at left guard. Uh, and then you've got a lot of guys that you can put into competition to play right tackle. And I think they'll be okay. Like if you've got Chris Murray at right guard, Andrew Ream at center and Anton Harrison at left tackle, who I think improved as the season went along, I think you're going to be okay. And again, we trust Bill Beatenbow to put out a really good group of five offensive linemen. And so I think this is going to be a situation where they'll figure it out. Like they've got spring and they've got the summer to figure it out. And you still got one name Morris, like the transfer from Tennessee. Like this is a guy that's got unrealized potential, like potentially him or saving a bird over at right tackle could end up being your starter. And I think you'll be okay. You'll, you'll be in good shape. Um, so offensive line. Yeah. I mean, there's holes to fill, but it's not super concerning. Uh, the defensive front, he brings up the losses of Nick Bonito, Perron Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas. And I talked about that as well. That is a concern of mine, but again, it's, you got a lot of guys with upside. And I think the competition will help raise the game for each one of these guys. I mean, just on the edge, like you got Jonah Lalu, the transfer in from Hawaii who could play, on the edge and the interior defensive line, the defensive tackle. So like looking at the differences between Alex Grinch's defensive depth chart and Brent Venable's defensive depth chart is Brentables runs more traditional alignment. So he runs more four defensive linemen. So you're going to see defensive end, two defensive tackles, defensive end. You're going to see three linebackers. You're going to see four DBs uh, show up on his depth chart. Now, he'll probably play a lot of nickel just because that's what teams play. They play a lot of nickel. But I think you're going to see just kind of a, a traditional four-man front. So you're looking at, like, on the edge, you're looking at Ethan Downs, Marcus Stripling, Reggie Smith, or Reggie Grimes, Clayton Smith, um, and Jonah Lalu as probably your, your top five kind of edge guys. And then on the interior, 
probably is Jalen Redmond's going to be starting at one spot. I think Jeffrey Johnson is probably going to be starting at the other uh, defensive tackle spot, the transfer from Tulane. And then you got a, a bunch of guys like Jordan Kelly and Isaiah Coe that are going to figure into that rotation as well. I mean, they're going to push a guy like Jeffrey Johnson and Jalen Redmond for snaps, but, um, but I think they'll figure more into the rotation. Um, and then you got a guy like Leron Stokes who just hadn't played a ton that transferred in a couple years ago from community college. Uh, so I feel like the defensive line, they've got options and they've got guys that are kind of unrealized potential. And you give a guy like Jalen Renman, somebody like Jeffrey Johnson, who's got experience playing next to him at defensive tackle that can eat blocks and take up space. And I think that's going to help Redmond get more one-on-one opportunities uh, as a pass rusher and in the run game. Uh, and then lastly, and that's secondary concerns. The secondary for me is not really much of a concern. You got Woody Washington back. You got DJ Graham back. Key Lawrence figures to be one of your starting safeties. And then you got some really good young players that could take over. I mean, you still got a Jeremiah Cradell. You still got, I mean, ju- they're not young players, but Justin Broyles, Billy Bowman, like, I think Billy Bowman is going to have a bounce back year in 2022. It didn't go well for him in 2021. I think he's going to learn from all that and then be a better player in 2022. Um, and then you got guys like Gentry Williams and Robert Spears Jennings, you know, freshman guys. Yeah. They'll, they'll have difficult steps up in competition uh, and even like a Jaden Rowe, but I think they'll push for snaps. And I think it's, it's, you may not, it, it, it may not be surprising to see a guy like Gentry Williams end up starting at safety um, or, I mean, but then you also have these veteran players like a Trey Morrison and CJ Colden who are defensive backs that could end up starting for you at some point in time too. So secondary is not really much of an issue. I think they got good talent in their starters with Woody Washington and DJ Graham and Key Lawrence. And they've got some really good, interesting depth options as well that, um, or guys that are going to be competing for starting snaps as well, either at the slot nickel or the safety spot. So I don't know. Tell me what you think about Steve LaSalle's concerns. Uh, are you, are, is there anything that you're concerned about? Love, would love to hear about it in the YouTube comments. So make sure you're subscribed to the show over there. That's going to do it for today's episode. Again, thanks so much for listening. You can find the show wherever you get your podcast. It's free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. So make sure you subscribe over there, hit the like button, hit the notification bell, to let you know when new episodes drop. And follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. Again, you can read my work over at the Sooners Wire at usatoday.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. But until tomorrow, I'm John Williams. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>